is a nice spot here. I got a cool red light. And feedback. Excuse me. Um, well, in our society today, the pressure's on. The pressure's on to keep silent about our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not uh, kosher to speak about salvation in Jesus in our culture. It might be alright to say uh, we believe in God personally, but it's certainly not acceptable to tell other people they need to find faith in Jesus. It seems like in so many ways we're encouraged to put a muzzle on our mouths to sit down and to shut up about being a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's at work, uh, with friends, uh, family, uni, school, TAFE, whatever. The challenge, the pressure is to sit down. Now, I don't know about you, uh, what you do, but if you're anything like me, there are times that the pressure's often too much. And, uh, and sometimes you might choose the way of silence, um, even when God's spirit nudges you to kind of stand up. Uh, but there might also be other times when actually you do make a stand and uh, you choose to speak and you don't, don't shy away from your love of Jesus and his love and passion for the world. It's a tough challenge, isn't it? Standing um, for Christ all the time. Uh, but as followers of Christ, we need to more and more choose to stand for him, not to succumb to the pressure of the world, to sit down and shut up. So my question to you tonight is, what's your plan? What's your plan? And what plan have you got to make sure that with every new month, uh, with every new week that goes by, with every new day, that you're growing in your power to stand? What's your plan to stand? Uh, we're continuing on our series in Ephesians. So if you've got your Bibles there, I just encourage you to turn to chapter 3, um, verses 14 to 21. And if you haven't got your Bibles tonight, like once again, can't encourage you enough to bring them along and just to follow along. Um, I generally preach out of an NIV. So if you get lost in another version and you just, yeah, Give up reading NIV. You can bring one of those when I preach anyway. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, Paul has, uh, previous to this, these verses, been, he's been speaking about who we are, who people are in Jesus Christ, when they have faith in Jesus. He's been speaking of the redeemed, of uh, us when we were once dead in our sins, but now have been saved from our sins and, and made alive through faith in Jesus Christ. We've become the people of God who will inherit eternal life. And it's like the more he goes along in his letter, he's almost got to this point and he's just gone, he's recognised the magnitude of what he's talking about, the bigness of what he's just spouted out in this letter. And he stops in his tracks. And it's like, I think we need help from God to fully understand this. And God's hope is that we wouldn't have just a partial understanding of who we are in Christ, but that we would grow in our knowledge of this. This is central. This is central to living a life for Jesus Christ. As we grow in our knowledge of God, or put it another way, as we grow in relationship with God, we grow in our ability to stand for Jesus Christ. It's not really rocket science. Grow in relationship with God, grow in your ability to stand for Him. So the question uh, I want to seek to answer tonight is, uh, so that to give us uh, the courage and the passion to stand up and be counted isn't so much what do we have to do, it's more about who do we have to get to know more. And uh, so Paul begins, um, says if you want a deeper relationship with God, um, you've got to pray. So verses 14 to 16 reads, or the first part of 16, says, For this reason, Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray. Praying is central to growing a deeper relationship with God. He says, for this reason I kneel. Now, kneeling has been taken up by many uh, Christians in various churches and you'll find it in a service. Lots of people have a time where when you pray you kneel and lots of people kneel when you pray. Um, in Paul's time, it wasn't the common way to pray. Most people would stand up. And it was only when you were sort of just gut-wrenchingly wanting God to do something that you were earnestly pleading with him that you would drop to your knees and you would pray. So when Paul is kneeling and praying for the Ephesians, he's pouring out his heart to God. He's longing for God to answer his prayer. He's desperate with every ounce of his being for God to answer his prayer. It's not like the prayer uh, we might pray sometimes with no heart or no conviction or you know, not even expecting, a, no real desire for God to answer it. And when we pray earnestly to God, something quite deep is happening within us. The first thing is that when we pray earnestly, really earnestly, we're recognising we've got a deep need. And the second thing is that we recognise is that God is the only one who can help us with this deep need. It's a very humble thing to do 
recognising you have a need and recognising only God can help you. Someone telling Gail how good the girls' weekend was, I think. <laughs> Sorry, Gail. <laughs> I rewind it just a little bit. You recognise your need and you recognise that only God can help you. It's a humble thing to do. It's a very humble thing to do. And it's not a very human thing to do. I can remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. There are a number of us sitting uh, on her balcony uh, on a, in a Brisbane home and it was this lovely spot where balcony looking out into a bit of forest, palm trees and that kind of thing. And we started this conversation kind of in mid-afternoon and it kind of trailed on late evening. And in the process of this conversation, I just started, you know, I shared about my faith and uh, my love of Jesus and, and she was getting progressively more um, passionate about her point of view. And the thing that she didn't like about Christianity was the fact that people needed to say they needed help from God. She didn't like this at all. She didn't like it because she just thinks it's a sign of weakness. God, she thinks, is a crutch for people who, can't, who are too weak to handle life. To her, I can remember her clearly saying it, it was like, I'm doing great in my job. I'm succeeding in life, you know, I'm, I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I've worked really hard to get there. I haven't done this with the help of God. I've done it through my skill and I've done it through my hard work. I've got nothing against hard work. But it's her attitude of pridefully living without God, saying, I don't need your help, God, in this life. And I think it's a common attitude. And I think even as Christians we can sometimes slip back into this mode of operation. You know, I think uh, most people in this room, this church building tonight, would understand that praying is important. We know that it's good to pray, even that praying will help our relationship with God grow. But the funny, or the sad thing, is that most of us don't pray that often, and certainly not earnestly. And there might be, might be lots of reasons for this, but one reason is that deep down, I think sometimes we think we can do life without God. If you want to grow a deeper relationship with God, you need to recognise you need his help and you need to pray earnestly. You can't do it on your own strength. I mean, I just encourage us to make prayer a habit. Like allocate time in a day. Think of the time you're, you're fresh, you're awake, and give that time, give that time to prayer praying earnestly. If you want to grow a deeper relationship with God, recognise you need help and pray earnestly. Well, Paul, he moves on and he moves on to the content of the prayer. And at the core of his prayer is, that, uh, is the prayer for power. The power being prayed for is two things um, and they both relate to growing in a relationship with God. So let's have a look at um, the first one from verse 16. Paul prays that out of God's, out of, the, out of the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The prayer for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. 
Now, when any person has been living for their, themselves over here and they turn and they say, I'm sorry, for that. sorry about that, God. I want to accept your forgiveness, Jesus, what you did on the cross for me. Then the promise is that um, Christ comes into our hearts through his spirit and Christ dwells in our hearts. It's an amazing concept. And Paul is not saying that uh, Jesus doesn't dwell in our hearts. No, what he's praying for is like total residence, if you like. The total residence of Jesus in our hearts. Okay, picture the image where a house, not really, but it's an image metaphor. So many people just seem actually confused. Um, we say yes to Jesus and he moves into our heart, into our house. And he comes and makes it his dwelling. Now, he's not like a friend who passes by on the way to Sydney or Melbourne and stops in for a night. No, he's saying, I'm moving in. I'm moving in to your house. And we say yes, we say, come on in. But I think sometimes we say, come on in, just sit in the lounge room at the front, thanks. And he doesn't kind of allow, we don't allow him to occupy our whole heart or our whole house, if you like. Sit over in that room there. Please don't go anywhere else. Paul's prayer is that we would have power through his spirit so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. The prayer for help so that Jesus can take up total residence, that he can just spread out, that our hearts, that our lives are all his. It's a pretty deep and personal notion of relationship. Christ within, total residence in our heart. Christ permeating every part of our life. Now, I think that quite often we find it hard to stand up for Jesus and we find it hard to uh, share the love of Jesus with people because something else is dwelling in our hearts. We've allowed something else to take up residence, to permeate our life and influence our decisions. Do you think this could be true? We need to analyse our hearts. What is it that dwells in your heart? What is it that dwells in my heart? You know, is our heart conviction, is it to be loved by people? Is it to be wealthy? Is my heart's conviction to be personally happy and enjoying life as much as possible, to succeed in my career? Is that what my heart's conviction is? So whatever your heart is set on, if your heart is not given over completely to Jesus, if he isn't free to take up total residence, you won't be able to stand for Jesus. You won't be able to grow in standing for Jesus. A moment will come, you know, the opportunity to stand for Jesus and whatever dwells in your heart will, will dominate the influence, will dominate your action. So if it's acceptance from people, which what dwells in your heart, then if you're at a moment where you have to, could share about Jesus, but, gee, I want these people to like me, and they've got, you know, Jesus relegated, they're a bit higher on the, on the scale, then you won't stand for Jesus. If it's success in your career, if it's studies, trade, the trade you're doing, whatever it is that dwells in your heart, then if the moment arises, that will lead you. You won't be able to stand. If Christ dwells in your heart, if he permeates your heart, you'll stand for him. You'll grow in your ability to stand for him. I suppose if uh, the, what I want to challenge you with is that if something has taken up residence in your heart, 
and Jesus has been relegated to second best, there's only one thing you've got to do. You've got to dethrone that. You've got to put it aside. You've got to turn away from that. Ask God to give you the power through his spirit to dwell in your heart through faith. Well, Paul continues and he prays for a second thing. From verse 17, please look at your Bibles there. It says, And, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays for more power for the believers in Ephesus and this time it's power to grasp, power to kind of grab hold of and understand the love of Christ. Now once again, Paul is making it very clear that to really grow in relationship with God, you need his help. You need to ask him to give you the power. This is why we need power. Look at this. Verse 19 says that this love surpasses knowledge. I'd say I need a bit of help understanding that. And then he, he gives some uh, dimensions, the massive dimensions of this love. Talks about the width, the length, the height, the depth. It's a big love. We need power to understand. It's like, um, here's a couple of images for you. How big the love is, how we need to understand it. Let's say uh, there's someone who hates God. They don't love God at all and uh, they basically run. They run this way to infinity and beyond, away from God, in the opposite direction to God. But in Christ... His love reaches them. doesn't matter who you are. Try and understand that. Or if you spend your whole life digging a deep hole, about deep hole trying to find little diamonds that will please you, diamonds that will bring purpose to your life, and you keep digging and you keep chucking the dirt and all the things that, you, that please you and make your life great on top of you, and you think that's beyond God's love. No, in, in Christ, His love reaches you. Or maybe you're a Christian and you go high and you're trying... You know, you're jumping around on the moon, having a good time, doing as much fun as you can, away from God, just leaving God over here. But in Christ, his love is with you. Through faith in Christ, his love reaches you. How can we possibly understand this? You sit here tonight going, oh, you've heard it a thousand times, but how do we possibly know that? That's why we need help to understand this, help to know this. So pray earnestly to the Father that you would know his love. Some of us here tonight might be far from God. But he wants to let you know that his love reaches you. Have you ever been in that place that you thought was so far from God, so far that God couldn't even reach you, but God met you? Have you ever been in that place? That in Christ you actually knew his love. You knew the forgiveness that only Christ can give. Maybe you got to that point in your life that you were so desperate that you'd exhausted all other ways of help and strength and as a last resort you cried out to Jesus and you found forgiveness and his love. His love met you and you knew his love. I was talking with this guy recently. He knows this love. He was telling me about uh, 
at the time he gave his life to Jesus. Before this moment, he was telling me about how he, when he came to church, he just felt dirty. He felt like, this is, I don't belong in this place. And I think really, in, in some sense, maybe this person was far from God. Maybe they're kind of, the, the metaphor, they've been running away from God for a while. But then he told me the moment he gave control of his life to Jesus Christ. And you know what he said to me? When he gave his life to Christ, he said, I felt washed clean. I felt washed clean. Sin taken away, brought back into relationship with God. God God's loving Christ, washing and clean, reaching him. He knew, he knows the love of Christ. Do you, do you know this love of Christ? You know, tonight, do you? Honestly, do you know the love of Christ tonight? You might be a Christian, maybe you're strayed. Can you grasp how wide, how long, how deep, how high this love is? Because this love reaches you. This love is reaching out to you. And this love is reaching out to every person in Jesus. We need power to personally know the love of Jesus and the Father. The Father, through earnest prayer, offers us this possibility. And uh, he goes on a bit, and, and uh, when we pray, he says, oh, don't think about a little getting to know either. He gives this pretty profound understanding. In verse 90, he says, he, he prays that they might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you get the, do you get the, uh, the point of the depth of the relationship that's on offer with God? You know, if only we would make God our priority in our life. Another thing, though, please notice that the prayer for us to know the love of Christ, it's really closely linked with our responsibility to love others as well. Look at how connected the two are, us knowing the love of God and us loving those around us. Um, the hope is that the believers would be rooted and established in love. So two metaphors here are seeking to indicate how deeply people should be rooted, how deeply their lifestyles, their their hearts should be founded on love. We've got a tree that's deeply rooted in love and we've got a building which is, its foundations are cemented so firmly in love. Are the feet of your life founded in a cement of love? Are you practising loving other people? I think sometimes we want to know the love of God deeper and we just want to sit back and soak it up. When I think what God really wants for us is that we would have an outlet for the overflow to be poured out to. People that would be our love, you know. That's why he says that, you know, together with all the saints, because the ideal is that you would know the love of God and be able to love each other, not just as an individual. We need to earnestly seek to know Christ's love in our life, but we must be eager to know and live this in community. So he says, pray for the power from God, that your relationship with him might grow in Christ. Now, in the last two verses, Paul leaves the believers in Ephesus a little reminder of what it's all about. So please look at verse 20 and 21 again. It reads, 
now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen to him to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. It's amazing, isn't it? Paul's praying earnestly um, that they that they would receive power from God to know Christ more and more. Praying to God who can do immeasurably more than all we could possibly imagine, that we could ask or possibly imagine. This is an amazing God we have. He says, to him be the glory. It's a pretty natural place to land, I would think, this God of love. You see, it's not really about us. It's not about, it's more, it's about giving God what is rightly his. It's not about us. Oh, oh, actually, maybe it is. Maybe it is about us. Maybe it's all about us, all about us as an individual, giving glory to God. Maybe it's all about us, us as a church here, giving God the glory. Maybe it is all about us, all about us. And not just us here, but as verse 21 says, that the generations and generations, forever and ever, the church, the people of God to come, that they might give glory to God. You know, why wouldn't you, if we contemplate this love of God, this forgiveness we have in Christ, the dimensions of this love, the the eternity we have as God's people, if we contemplated that, where would we end? We just want to praise God. We want to say, God, be glorified. It's a natural place to be. It's a good reminder for us that it's about giving God glory. Well, we, we began the message talking about the pressure our society, our world puts on us to be silent about our love for Jesus, about the pressure that our society puts on us to sit down and shut up about being a follower of Jesus. Where God, he wants us to make an affirmative, a confident, a courageous stand for him, regardless of what people might want us to do. So we have a big tension, don't we? We have a collision of opinions bound to occur. That's why, why we find it hard to speak. That's why we find it hard to stand. But you know, there's really only one option for a believer. We're called to be gentle and respectful and wise about how we go about it, but we're called to stand up, to stand for Jesus. And how can we do this? With a deeper relationship with God. Grow your relationship with God through earnest prayer, through getting into the Word, asking God to give you power for this because we need His help. Now, the stronger your relationship is with God, like I said, it's not rocket science, the stronger your ability will be to stand for Him. I want to ask you to use your memory a little bit uh, here. Uh, This may be hard for some of you that don't have a good mind for remembering. I'm a shocker. Um, Have you ever been in a situation where a person you are with and they start to talk about someone else that you know? 
they start to kind of say how bad they are and useless they are and how they do that stupidly like or whatever. They start gossiping about them and it's not true. And you know the person. Can you remember a, a moment like this? I think they might happen pretty regularly. Now you know this person. You know this person they're putting down. What did you do? Now we should stand up for anyone who's being spoken wrongly about or stand up to people in the presence of gossip. But I reckon that if this person wasn't that close a friend of yours, I guarantee you that, uh, I mean, there would be times, hopefully you're you know, more noble than I or something, but there are times that you wouldn't say anything. You wouldn't stand up against the gossip, against the abuse to the other person because you don't want to get abused yourself. You don't want to lose face. You don't want to um, be a goody-goody or whatever. You know? So you kind of remain silent. But I'll tell you what, if that friend was a good friend of yours, if that friend was a good friend of yours and this person is lying about them, is like putting them down, you would stand up, would you not? You would stand up. You'd let your relationship with them be known very, very clearly. The stronger the relationship, the stronger your ability to stand. We need to pray earnestly that he might give us power, that he might give us power to grow a deeper relationship with him. We really need to earnestly pray for this, not just hear it and let it go past. So that when the moment arises and God's saying to you, be a light, when he's saying, make a difference, when he's saying, be my ambassador, when he's saying, show them the treasure within, when he's saying, proclaim the gospel, when he's saying, make a disciple, love the lost, give a reason for the hope that is in you. So that when this moment arises, you will choose the way of standing for Jesus Christ because you love him so much, because you know him so much. Now, I don't know like, if you forget messages like that. Um, I don't know how quirky that is. Uh, and it's only a symbol. But I want to pray for us now and I'm going to kneel. I'm going to earnestly pray. And I'd encourage you to earnestly pray with me. If you want to kneel, please kneel.